lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we have a very fun and interesting episode in store for you today. Um, my guest this week is Justine Ward, or better, even better, uh, Cannonball Justine Ward, a uh, young wrestler out of the Maritimes up in Canada, uh, an area that has a rich history in terms of pro wrestling, um, but also uh, one that I think a lot of areas around here uh, in the States uh, don't really have a lot of eyes on at times, and my present company included. Uh, I, um, you know, haven't really watched a lot of what has been coming out of the independence in, in that area of Canada uh, in recent years, but let me tell you, uh, once Justine came onto my radar, uh, along with a few other uh, out pro wrestlers up in that area, uh, I took the deep dive and I found a whole lot of good, and I'm glad that we have Justine on the show this week to talk about some of what is going on up at the Barrett Times, and especially stuff that is specific to what they are doing, um, you know, as a non-binary, gender-fluid pro wrestler up in that area, fighting out of uh, Kaizen Pro Wrestling, um, which has stuff up on IWTV, so definitely go check it out if you haven't. But yeah, just a really fun and interesting interview all about... Um, their journey to this point and getting in the ring and a lot of uh, personal accomplishment um, for for them so far in just like less than two years in the ring at this point. So lovely conversation there. Cannot wait to get to that. But before we do, we did have a couple of uh, pretty monumental things to talk about here. Um, I, I, I don't throw that term around loosely either like these were historic moments that we saw uh in the past week um most notably some some big title wins that were some big firsts in pro wrestling because we got to keep knocking those off the list you know (laughs) um of course kicked off saturday by eric lee uh winning the ecwa heavyweight championship becoming the first woman uh and first out lgbtq athlete to do so um, just amazing thing to see there. Uh, just hopping in after winning the the women's super eight earlier uh, this year, as well as the ECWA uh, Legacy Championship. Um, they are just covered in gold at the moment, and and carving new paths in one of the more uh, um, I guess you could say long-lasting <laughs> independents in in the U.S. so far. Um, especially a company that, you know, the Super 8 itself has, you know, the Super 8 has been established as a pre- uh, preeminent uh, tournament in independent pro wrestling. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of that continue today. You know, this year's winners so far, you had Darius Carter winning the the Super 8, you had Erica winning the Women's Super 8, and then the main event winning the Tag Team Super 8 um, earlier on Saturday. So... 
all-around Highlings and great talent, but Erica standing atop the ECWA is really awesome to see, um, and just draped in title belts and trophies and, and whatever. It's always fun. And that leads us into the second historic championship win that we saw, because I am recording this on Wednesday night, post-Dynamite, um, and I saved the recording of this intro for post-Dynamite, um, because there was a chance that Anthony Bowens was going to make some history tonight. And sure enough, uh, Anthony Bowens and Max Caster, the acclaimed, uh, are now the new AEW Tag Team Champions. That makes Anthony Bowens the first out LGBTQ male champion in AEW history and puts him on a very short list of out gay men who have won championships for major televised pro wrestling promotions here in the U.S., you know. Um, it's basically him and Fred Rosser <laughs> right now, so that's really cool to see. Also, the third out champion that we've seen in AEW so far. Obviously, the two previous were women with Nyla Rose winning the, the women's world title, and now we have the current interim women's world champion, Tony Storm, as well. So, just a monumental moment there, and, and I'm not going to talk about whether, like, you know, this felt right in terms of the the moment to to make the switch and put put the belts on the acclaimed. I think everybody already knows that. Um, you know, just from the sheer rise in popularity and the fact that they still have a, at least in my perception, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but in my perception, they have gotten over one of the single like queerest or queer coded things <laughs> that I've seen in in terms of the the scissor me daddy ass sort of thing going on there. I mean you had an entire crowd there at Arthur Ashe Stadium like chanting oh scissor me daddy for multiple times during the match on Wednesday night. So I don't know. It's just great to see. Um really happy for, for Bowens and Caster to be atop the tag team division there. Very well deserved. Um they have not hit the crest of this wave, I feel. Uh, just amazing to see. But yeah, a couple of really great historic moments there for pro wrestling in terms of LGBTQ recognition and LGBTQ promotion and representation. And of course, since we're also talking post-Dynamite, we have to highlight Soraya, uh, the former Paige, now uh, part of All Elite Wrestling, another outstanding out talent who would, don't know what necessarily that's going to result in. You know, she has been out of action for years after uh, retiring due to uh, neck injuries in WWE, but, you know, Sometimes, once you're out of the WWE system and you get doctors to clear you, you could return to the ring, hopefully safely, crossing fingers if you do, but we'll see how Soraya factors into things going forward with AEW now, but it is awesome to see her back on television and to have more representation in AEW, so just really cool to see. Um, I think that's... Oh, oh, I will... One more thing before we get to the interview with Justine here. Um... I wanted to make a small uh, correction before we get into the interview because uh, during the course of the interview, I speak about Justine's match with Thad Howitt at Glory Hold 
uh, pro Glory Hold Pro Wrestling's uh, show in Halifax during Halifax Pride or in cooperation with Halifax Pride, and I didn't use the right surname for, for Mr. Howlett. So I uh, just want to correct that there. I think I said Thad Howell in, in the podcast, but yeah, Thad Howlett was who Justine fought there. Either way, I I'll, we got that done. Let's move forward. This awesome interview here with Cannonball Justine Ward. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I am very, very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who just feeds into my desire to discover new areas of pro wrestling, regional, uh, that I do not always have my eyes on. Uh, someone who has been uh, honestly killing it in their short time so far in the pro wrestling world and is putting on for all of the non-binary and gender fluid community in the Maritimes area up in Canada. Please welcome the cannonball Justine Ward. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic today. Honestly, it's a nice, nice sunny day out. No work to be had. So I figured I'd just, you know, come on, chillax, say hi. Those are always the best days. <clears throat> oh, yes. Just not a care in the world. You can do anything you want. You can enjoy the sun if you want to. Like, it's all it's all on your plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I, I am excited to have you on uh, because th- this is honestly one of the instances where the fans of the podcast ended up turning me on to someone who is now guesting on the show because <laughs> yeah because honestly like oh, a lot there's been a lot of stuff going on in the maritimes area where you're located up in in, nova, in the nova scotia halifax area up there um obviously me saying that kind of speaks to my lack of knowledge of the full geography of canada but oh, it's okay <laughs> but there's a lot of interesting stuff going on multiple companies up there and and it's interesting to kind of look back into the Maritimes considering the historic um, relationship that the area has had with pro wrestling dating back to the mm-hmm. 60s as well and to see what's happening now in the independent world post to that. Um, and I have to thank uh, probably one of the most dedicated listeners of the show, Alex, for pointing out yourself and a lot of the other LGBTQ people who are working multiple companies up there. I think around the time that the glory hold show happened back in July was when, was when that happened, (laughs) was when those you and other people were, were brought to my attention. And as immediately when I first started doing research into the area and watching what's going on, not just with glory hole, but also with companies like Kaizen, which turns out to be your home promotion as well. Um, Yes, it is. It was just, very invigorating to see this like new area that I hadn't explored from an independent perspective and to see that there are already people within our community that are making an impact there. Um, So I I definitely want to get into a lot of that journey for you because it seems like it definitely has been one. Um, But let's start from the very beginning. Um, Justine, when did pro wrestling really kind of latch itself onto you or when did you latch yourself onto pro wrestling rather i latched myself onto pro wrestling sometime in probably late 2010 it was definitely october because i believe the company october november they're heading into either survivor series or the pay-per-view before survivor series 2010 um 
and it was a Sunday night. So a lot, it was a, it was a school night. I remember that for sure, because I was a child trying to sleep and ADHD just don't have me sleeping sometimes, you know? So I'm, you know, just trying to fall asleep in me bed. And all I hear is the TV going off. And I think to myself, who in the Lord's name of Jesus is up at like 10 PM watching something this late at night? Like, it's too late to be watching something. It's a school night after all. So who's watching something? So I go sneaking around just to see who it is. And it was my dad watching an episode of Monday Night Raw. And I saw the TV. And I, at this point in time, had two choices. Option one, I could tell my dad I was there. Two, I could just sneakily try to watch the product. I told my dad that I was there. And I asked, what's on the TV? And my dad told me that it was wrestling. And he was like, would you like to watch it? And I said, Yes, I would. And he said, I won't erase it. The next day, you get all your schoolwork, homework done, all of that done, tickety-boo. We will watch it together. I won't erase it. So the next day, I get all that stuff done. We're about to sit down to watch my first episode of Raw uh, and wrestling. Uh, my dad tells me that wrestling is not real. Uh, he tells me that it's scripted. And so I go into it watching it. With the understanding that, okay, this has all been kind of planned. There is nothing real about any of this. Except then my brain started asking questions like, how does none of that hurt? Because it's yeah. real people like slamming each other, flipping onto each other. Like, how do you fake that? I had to know how you fake that. Pro wrestling became my magic. And I had to know, are they all the toughest human beings on the planet? Because they love the art form that is pro wrestling. Or are they uh, just really good at making us all believe that it hurts when really none of it does? Mm. Um, and so from that point on, wrestling became my magic, and I had to figure that out. That's such an interesting thing to hear because like, I feel like a lot of people that get into wrestling at a, at a young age don't necessarily have the same, that same experience where they're told up front that you know that this is pre-planned this is choreographed this is not they're not actually beating the crap out of each other um at least not to the extent that you would think through the act no you know and i'm assuming that's just to keep my dumb brain from trying it in other places <laughs> i'm assuming because like if they thought this stuff was real then like oh man i could do that if it's real Let's go do it. <laughs> I was going to ask if, like, if you thought what the motivation was there, but that makes complete sense. It does. I've never really thought about the why behind it. Um, you know, I just assume that like my folks are very like, like myself, we're just big into honesty. So there is no deception. There is no trying to lie or get out of things, you know? So I was assuming it's from that, but also there is that other aspect, which is, I think, funnier more fun no but either either way it's it's an interesting way to to kind of wrap your head around this world as well because if you're not believing in if you're not like buying into the presentation 100 percent in the way like that you wouldn't know if it wasn't a, a work and stuff like that you have a completely different way of trying to dissect it like you talk about it being a magic act in a way for you like what was that process for you of trying to like decipher these things out before you like ultimately got into the pro wrestling business like how did you try and figure it out uh the real answer is that i just didn't um 
did I did I as a kid think I know what was going on? Of course, but what kid doesn't think that they know what's going on until they actually properly, you know, commit to trying to learn a thing? Um, and that was honestly one of the joys for me going into training in the first place. Uh, I didn't want to go into training thinking that I knew anything because I almost certainly didn't. Um, and so the joy for me was getting to walk in every day telling myself, I know nothing about the thing that I love. I cannot wait to learn something new about this thing that I love. And uh, from there, it was, uh, I think that's what helped me a lot in the early days of training. I mean, this is a very good mindset to have when entering there, just being open and ready to absorb whatever comes your way. But I do have to ask, like, you know, th through that process of, of the years that, that you watch pro wrestling before you enter training and stuff like that, once you did get into training, was there any specific aspect of pro wrestling that you were like, oh, I was completely, I was way off in trying to understand how this might work? Uh, everything. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's the only answer I can give. Uh, because you imagine that wrestling is one thing for so long, but then when you find out that it's something completely different, it almost gives you a new appreciation for the thing that you love. Um, like I can still think back to like the early days of training where like learning a headlock was like the coolest thing. Like guys, I can do a headlock properly now. Isn't that dope? <laughs> it's the little things. Exactly. Yeah, especially when you're first starting out, like those little steps can feel so monumental. Like I can imagine just entering, like committing yourself to going to pro wrestling training can be like facing down a hugely intimidating thing to begin with. So having those little victories there along the way, I would imagine would instill a lot of confidence. I mean, for me, it was always more excitement than intimidation. Mm. Uh, the only thing intimidating about wrestling beforehand was the fact that I was really, really short. Like I'm five foot, maybe one or two inches at most, at best. Um, and so the only reason I joined the Kaizen Academy to begin with, first of all, because Kobe actually stayed in contact with me uh, after our initial meeting and interaction uh, but the second main reason is because I knew I would kick myself in the head if I didn't try wrestling at some point. Like, I just knew that I would. And so I didn't know if wrestling was going to be for me. I didn't know if I was going to take to pro wrestling. All I knew was that I wanted to try. So that way, at the end of the, I guess, ultimate day, at the end of my life, I can say, well, that thing that I really love, I gave it a try. Uh, and it just so happened that uh, I did take to it quite well uh and i'm still doing it no that's that's awesome i love that attitude just to be like no regrets like at least give something a, the the truest shot that you can to make sure that you're either you figure out that this isn't for you or you find a completely new passion to take hold exactly of. No, that's awesome and uh and if this hadn't worked out for me at the very least i would have gathered a new found sense of appreciation for what the wrestlers have to do on a spec like the WWE wrestlers on a weekly basis like you know like they have like you know kudos to them I would have learned for sure like 
what they go through. And uh, it would have been a newfound respect and appreciation for sure. Mm. So it sounds like a lot of like the pro wrestling that you were exposed to when we're talking about like the 20, the 2010s. So like the really the only like major, major like big company, obviously like Impact is running, but WWE is the show. Right. Yeah. So it sounded like WWE was something that you were definitely tuned into. Were you at when did you kind of come aware of this wrestling history in the Maritimes as well? Like, were there independents running at that time up there? Like, was that something that you were tuned into at all through that process? I wasn't, unfortunately. And um, it's like kind of a weird kind of mixed bag where like I wasn't aware of it at all because the only times I ever heard of wrestling shows would be like the promoters who are promoting some big WWE wrestler coming in to work with the local talent or whatever. Um, And so things like that were the only times I ever went out. My first real show locally in the area was for a promotion called Wrestle Center back when they brought in uh, WWE superstar Evan Bourne, a.k.a. Matt Seidel. Uh, cause Matt Seidel was my, was one of my fate, one of my first three favorite wrestlers from the WWE. So as soon as my parents heard that there was a show there, it was a meet and greet, you could get your photo, all that stuff. Boom. Yeah. They were like, well, we can try to get our kid there. And so, yeah, that was my first local show. Uh, from there, I didn't hear too, too much about the wrestling scene in the Maritimes cause, uh, whether it was cause there wasn't a whole lot of one or whether it was because, I just wasn't in tuned to it. Um, I didn't really hear a whole lot about the maritime wrestling scene until I hopped in with Kaizen and then, uh, you know, going through Kaizen's history. Uh, like I, I love IWTV cause it gives me the opportunity to go back to watch old Kaizen shows to see, you know, where like, heck, even my coach Kobe has come a long way since show number one for Kaizen. Uh, and so to see that, growth and to see where oh it looks like coach has given you know one of his students this little thing that he used to do that's pretty nifty uh it's pretty exciting no it's it's always interesting to have a documented history that you can go back to in that way and and i i'm with you 100 in like streaming services like iwtv and, and title match and smart mark and, and high spots like all these different little places that keep that history of independent wrestling all over the world alive and ready for anybody to have at, at the tip of their finger, you know, um, especially considering like the history that the area has, like dating back to the sixties and stuff like that. It's just cool to see that tradition kind of get reinvigorated with companies like Kaizen as well. And to have that profile there. And now for you to be a part of that history as well. <laughs> it makes going back to see what I have done in the past and what uh, I can do now very easy. Cause now if ever I'm like, if I'm, you know, doing that classic cliche of like trying to figure out, uh wrestling and i'm just like what have i done i can just go back and watch a bunch of old matches and be like oh yeah i did that thing that's a thing that i do <laughs> now, i do want to talk a little bit about training during covid because it seems like a lot of uh the, your time spent during training before stepping into the the ring in front of crowds everything did happen during covid but before we get there uh i i was doing my research on on you prior to sitting down here and i heard that you were a rather accomplished swimmer that i was yes so much so that 
is it called the Brigadoon? Is that what it's called? The it's called the Big Swim. The Big Swim. Uh, it is a okay. it is a charity for Brigadoon Camp. Uh, okay. It's a camp that allows uh, sick kids, uh, kids who have cancer or like severe mental disabilities or severe physical disabilities, to just feel normal for once, because they're uh, going to a camp with a bunch of other uh, kids, either about their same age, younger or older. And uh, it allows them to feel normal for a week or however long the camp runs for. Mm-hmm. Um, and the original goal or like the original uh, thing that was with the big swim was that you would swim from northern New Brunswick, uh, the length of the Confederate Bridge. So from northern New Brunswick all the way to PEI. Um They've had to have a couple of years. They had one year where they had to cancel. And then the following year, they just decided to do it in a big old like lake pond thing. So that that way we didn't have to worry about COVID spreading from anybody who was traveling all across Canada to New Brunswick and then to PEI. Um, They just all kind of had to go to this one area, make sure that they were uh, COVID free uh, and then like swam the give or take same amount of distance. So for those that, that wouldn't necessarily be familiar with the length of the Confederate Bridge or like the distance between New Brunswick and uh, PEI, how long of a swim is that? It's it's a lot. Um, there's no – I don't know the length of the Confederate Bridge off the top of my head. I know that I swam, I want to say, about 15-ish kilometers or so. Uh, and that is how, like, that was like, that was with a steady guide that got me, that kept me pretty on track. But like for some swimmers, if they aren't used to the currents or whatever, they are, instead of going like a straight line, they might end up with like this squiggly line of going like side to side. Uh, so I was very fortunate that while there was probably some of that, it was at least all going in the same direction, never kind of staying back or anything. That is wild to like i i you know just the i don't know that that kind of distance um and consistently like that that level of activity to cover that that distance and i don't know it's uh i am i'm struggling to find the words to like really describe the feet there it just as and i say that as someone who like I like to swim. I can like do a few laps in a pool here and there. You can, I want you can to, do, but... you can do the freestyle and the front. You can do the front crawl. Exactly. Exactly. But I, that's just, that's just such a wild thing. Like, what is that experience like kind of being out in that open water? Like, obviously you have guides, like you have kayak guides for these sort of things, but mm-hmm. I imagine that can at least it somewhat be a bit like, a bit isolating so to speak and and to kind of like have this like level of self-reliance and i might just be talking completely out of, out of the side of my mouth here. no you're you're definitely not uh there's a lot of people who fun fact a lot of people who do the brigadoon swim they do it as like their first experience as a swimmer so there'll be people who have never swam a day in their life and they'll be like oh i really want to support this charity uh um, let me learn how to swim in lake water in this thing so that that way i can actually uh do this thing do this event um and so for them i'm sure it's like terrifying because uh especially if you're training throughout winter or whatever the most swim training you're going to get is in a pool which 
cannot, uh, and I mean this genuinely, cannot compare to lake swimming training uh, because pools are pools. They're just a, a water doesn't really move until you move the water uh, with rivers and with any other like open body of water. There, there are currents and how do you swim in currents and how do you learn to deal with those? Um, it, it doesn't, it's not the, it's not the same. It can help a great deal because if you don't know how to swim, it doesn't matter if it's open or closed, you're, you're, it's not going to end well, but you know, other than the swimming aspect, it is like a completely different beast altogether. Do you feel like that the sort of like mental aspects of doing something like that with, with such a long distance in, in that environment, um, do you feel like that translated in any way to um, your like confidence when entering the pro wrestling world or even beyond that, just in terms of like just being a, a person being an adult <laughs> like that shit can get tiring I, I i definitely think so like i was i was a swimmer that wanted the long distance no matter where i went because uh as my motto goes like i can do two lengths of the pool i can do two laps of the pool anywhere so what makes doing it at an event special what makes swimming at a at a uh, at a swim meet uh, so different is the fact that you are traveling to the middle of Lord knows where to uh, compete against some of the um, best up and coming swimmers or just some of the best young swimmers in Canada uh, or at least in the in Nova Scotia or whatever. Um, and so for me, that joy uh, just translates to everything. I love a challenge. Uh, it's, it's the best it's the best thing I ever got from coach. He's like, you like to challenge the fire. Never, never let that disappear on you. Cause not everybody wants to challenge the fire. Not everybody wants to test their bodies to see how far it can go before breaking. Not that's not for everybody. Um, not everybody can look at uh, a dangerous sequence or a dangerous uh, thing and go, Oh yeah, let's do it. Yes, please. I'd love to do that. <laughs> no it's it's interesting to hear that that thought process and then to like go back to like the matches of yours that i've seen and just like the way that you just throw your body around and just how you commit to different things as well especially being like so young in your career too like i can definitely see that translate through the presentation and and the in-ring and the in-ring work as well so i could i that is spot on there and also talk about like knowing and 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 like really feeling the ability to maximize the opportunity given to you like who like you said like you can swim two links anywhere i want to do like give me like the hardest bit benchmark to hit even if i have to provide it for myself mm -hmm. that's that was actually one of the funnier uh more funny things about uh that swim from new brunswick to pei uh so you're normally allowed to bring snacks with you uh which i did uh however I misheard my kayaker and I didn't eat a single one oh, God. <laughs> because what I heard is be careful. You might get sick, you know, cause if you try to eat any of the protein snacks and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of salt water in your mouth, it could lead to some pukage. Yeah. Um, what the kayaker actually said was you can eat, but be careful 
because of that thing. So I swam the whole thing without eating. Jesus. How long did that take you? It took me about five hours. Ooh. Okay, so you're doing this with, with like no did you drink water? Yeah, I had okay. I had water, I had snacks. Uh I just thought the snacks were gonna make me sick. And you know, being at competitive swim meets before, you don't normally get to take a break while you're swimming to eat food anyways. So why is this any different? <laughs> Especially if it's gonna make me sick. I don't wanna get sick. No, I completely understand that. But that just wow. Wow. Okay. You astound me, Justine. Thank you. <laughs> That's my aim. My aim is to just to astound and just confuse people. Hey, I love it. I love the motivation, honestly. <laughs> let's talk about, let's get back, like, get back to pro wrestling. Let's talk about like of you course. entering the, the pro wrestling world now. You know, you have this athletic background with swimming. You have this like this strong mental approach to to anything that you're doing what makes you step into the world of pro wrestling initially like what what gets you in that in the door uh it was uh it was that magic that we talked about from before that's what got me in mm -hmm. is the fact that uh i still had a curiosity that had yet to be quenched because while i was definitely coming to the realization that it was a combination of the two wrestlers make wrestling look so much easier because they are professionally trained to do it and also it all hurts because of course it all hurts you silly billy you can't fake being slammed onto anything and saying that doesn't hurt uh so yeah um while there's definitely kind of a play up uh an added dramatic flair to it all uh it was just about training and thankfully i had a coach who understood and felt the same way as i did when he was 18, uh, while he was not as fortunate as I to have a local wrestling school literally right outside my door, essentially, uh, he, you know, coach traveled to Windsor, Ontario, the best professional wrestling school in Canada, the Can-Am Training Academy, because he was tired of just making fun of pro wrestlers in the local area being not doing the best wrestling, shall we say. And he wanted to learn from the best so he could be the best. Uh, and so now I get to come in with all of his experiences, all of his knowledge, and I just get to sit under that learning tree and I get to learn. Uh, and it's something I, I both fear that I take advantage of and I take, you know, I, I, I take for granted and also something that I hope that I'm not because there is still so much to learn. As you say, independent wrestling is a large part of, you know, even the WWE's history because they started off as an independent promotion out in New York before Vince bought out all the territories in the States, turning the WWE into the global conglomerate that it is today and that we all know it as. So there's such a rich history that you wouldn't even think to know about if you didn't even know to look. No, it's very true. It's very true. And, and it's, especially whenever you look at all these different regions as well, you know, because like pro wrestling is everywhere. Even if you don't necessarily like have a certain area of, of the continent on your mind, like there is definitely stuff happening there. It's just a matter of like getting into it and getting, seeing where the eyes are, are being put onto it. Um, and, and watching it kind of build a bit. 
And it really feels like um, Kaizen has been that for the area there. Was that one of the reasons why that was your, I mean, obviously proximity also a big, a big reason why um, Kaizen was a good option for you, but how, how important was Kobe um, to you stepping in into uh, Kaizen's school specifically? Uh, everything. Uh, because prior to that, uh, I had gone to a couple of wrestling shows where I heard a couple of people were trainers. And when I tried to reach out to them, I just ended up not hearing anything back. And so therefore, I was like, all right, well, I'll save up the money in case they ever do come back around. But if they don't ever come back around, at least I have all this money saved up for when somebody is like, hey, we want you to come learn how to wrestle, which is kind of what happened uh, one faithful uh, morning shift. I was working at my job when I saw Kobe come in with a pro wrestling sweater. And I, I just had to know, like, is he a wrestler? Turns out he's the head trainer of Kaizen. Uh, the only reason I am in a ring right now, as young as I am, like wrestling is because of Kaizen. If Kaizen was not this local, uh, I probably would have had to have gotten a university or college degree, or at the very least, I would have busted my ass during uh, working a nine to five job to try to get the money so I could travel to learn how to do it. Uh, mm. Because Kaizen is so local and because Kobe stayed in contact uh, allowed me to come watch some of the uh, students at the time learning wrestling. And I got to kind of see a little bit of like, all right, this is kind of what we're in for. Um, I just, it just got me all giddy and excited because I was like, oh, this is, this is like after a couple months, I can't wait to be in that position. <laughs> so how long were you in training before COVID kind of threw a wrench into things and, and caused things to change a bit? So COVID, uh, COVID was there essentially from the beginning, give I or see. take, um, because COVID hit what? It was probably like 2020, like, like February, March. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much when I started training. Ah, okay. So uh, we were fortunate enough that because we were allowed to be in a building of close gatherings of about 10 or 12, I think it was initially, we were still still able to run training classes and we were still able to, you know, go learn. Um, there was a brief one, maybe a month and a half of period time where uh, the building itself was like when the COVID restrictions got in extreme, they're like, nobody's allowed to go outside of their homes or whatever. There's like about a month, a month and a half where we weren't allowed to learn how to wrestle and be in the ring. So we just had to work on like promo stuff for that short period of time because promos are just as important as the in-ring stuff. Turns out being able to, to put yourself out there is just as important as being able to perform under that pressure. So uh, we spent about a month or so learning promos and then we got back into the ring learning. Uh, I was scheduled to debut in October. Then the show got uh, taken because... Uh, half our roster was from Ontario and nobody was allowed to cross the borders. So oh, wow. we had to, to scrap the show uh, altogether, which would lead to my eventual debut in November for full capacity. Well, how were you feeling heading into that, that debut match? Uh, so a little <laughs> nervous because uh, the entire, there was like a solid week before the show. I did not get a chance to hop into the ring once to trade. 
Oh, wow. Um, and so uh, I'm still feeling confident because, you know, I spent, you know, a good six, eight, nine months training to do this. So I felt confident with that, obviously. But there's also like that week before the show not being able to get in. It had me a little nervous. Like if that kind of a situation happened to me now, I wouldn't be as nervous because like I've already done this. This is easy. Uh, but for the first time ever, I wanted to make a really good impression because there's one thing I take with me. It's that you only have one one first impression and you have to make it count. I didn't want this to be bugged up and I couldn't go in for the first week. So that final week going in, I'm like, what's everybody planning? What are we doing? Bah! <laughs> going crazy. Uh, and then like it just happened and then it was great. No, I can I can definitely understand the the challenge posed by like not being able to like physically get into a ring and kind of work out stuff for a match like that can just your mind can just be racing so much when when trying to come up with the stuff and not having the ability to just like tangibly work through these things and and work through like okay this works this doesn't work how does this interact with this like that definitely feels like a, a challenge in and of itself just to go along with the the fact that you are always have it on your mind like i can't get in the ring right now to do this all right yens thank you so much for tuning into lgbt in the ring uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things but i do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is starting off with daniel quasar the progress pride flag designed by daniel quasar is a product of progress initiative you can find out more at quasar.digital a big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. At what point did you feel like you were starting to get your, your legs underneath you? Uh, so I'm... Speak. I, I, in all truth, I still don't feel like I do like, mm. and for as confident as I am for all the crazy shenanigans and all the crazy things that I can do in the ring, there's a lot more to wrestling than meets the eye. And so I don't feel like I have my legs underneath me. Do I think that I'm with every match I have getting closer to feeling more comfortable? Absolutely. Uh, I'm always more comfortable 
tomorrow than I am today. Uh, I'm always learning new things as I continue to improve. Uh, will there ever be a day where I feel like I got my legs underneath me? There will be. And that day will be very exciting because that'll mean that I'm probably doing even dumber things than I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I'm trying to make sure I absorb as much of the psychology as I can because it's the psychology that matters more than anything. Uh, moves, moves matter sometimes, but they are not what makes pro wrestling pro wrestling. It's the psychology. It's how you grab an audience and that's an area that I'm still working on. I'm still working on that. Um, and I'll continue to improve, obviously, because that's what I want. I want to be considered the best, as does everybody, or everybody should. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I'm glad that you bring up ring psychology and, and that sort of thing, because I feel like, you know, people that, let's face it, there are there's a good chunk of people that are like, dedicated whether they're in in pro wrestling or just a dedicated fan of pro wrestling that understand that aspect of it but there are definitely still a number of of people that don't understand the weight that that really carries and and the ability to understand that and and how that really interacts with with everything else and really is the foundation for everything else when it comes to to pro wrestling as well do you feel like uh, as you kind of learning to gr- learning to grow and understand and develop that ring psychology. Is that like, do you feel like that's your biggest challenge right now? That's, that's still facing you. I think it's, it definitely is for sure. Um, But like that just takes confidence. It's the, there are some things that you can rush. You there are some things that you can rush through and you can fly by and you can learn just as well as anybody within a short period of time. But then there are just other things that there is no, there's no cheat code. There is no rushing ahead, if you will, you know, and just having the confidence to know how to interact with a crowd, respond to a crowd is one of those things that I will continue to improve. And it's probably one of the hardest things for any new wrestler to learn because you're focusing on the moves. You don't want to hurt your opponent. You don't want to hurt yourself doing something silly so it's very easy to forget that like you're still performing for a crowd. Like the crowd doesn't care how like in certain circumstances, they're not gonna care how well applied the headlock is, as long as you can get, you know, fairly close, a seventy or an eighty on a headlock. They'll be like, Oh, that's a headlock. I know what that is. Uh, but it's ultimately how you interact with the crowd that really can get the crowd hooked in so that way when you start to bust out some crazier stuff the crowd's like yeah i wanted to see them do that that's what i wanted uh so yeah and speaking of that crowd interaction uh there that kind of is a perfect way to lead into the the two matches that i wanted to talk to you about the most through like all of the stuff that i've watched in, in preparation for talking to you um let's start with glory hold Um, because that one, it's very reticent for this show being a show all about the queer aspect and and queer identities in pro wrestling, um, to have a pro wrestling and drag show, have these two worlds come together again. And and they work so well together and put on a show in collaboration with Halifax pride up there in July. Um, obviously you, you were on that card in in a match against, uh, that Elliot, 
that uh let that crowd was there for y'all there for you like i that was it was amazing just to see like not just the way that you interacted with it but just how um how up that crowd was for for that match in particular um the whole show i obviously i haven't seen the whole show um i've only watched bits and pieces here but it felt it felt like they were there for the whole thing and it just kind of feeds into what we've seen as the as queer communities and queer culture interact more with um with pro wrestling in the way that like bringing in new fans who are understanding this bringing in fans that didn't feel comfortable in those environments to give them a, an environment that they can feel comfortable expressing themselves and enjoying themselves in um like i don't know like that just seems like a completely wild experience to have with, with the size of the crowd that y'all had there and the volume that they had and especially for you like I'm curious to ask, like, you know, you being, you know, gender fluid and, and having those very, like, having various presentations for yourself in the ring as well to express that. What did, what was it like for you to, to have that opportunity to wrestle for a crowd at a, a pride show in that way that was ultimately like a hundred percent there for y'all? It was exciting. Uh, it was very exciting to say the least. Um, there was a lot of things mentally going through my head going into the show, uh, that, uh, is, uh, maybe wasn't as aware to other people. Uh, and I kind of, I kept it close to the chest going into it, but, uh, since it's been happened, like it's been a lot easier to just kind of been like, yep, that was the thing that happened. That was fantastic. Um, so before I came out as gender fluid, uh, I didn't even really have time to think about what I identified back in high school as. And so I was just, you know, just very typical cis hetero white male or whatever. That's where we had prom. So like for me, that performance is as much uh, me enjoying the crowd being behind me completely as much as it is me reclaiming that spot. Uh, I went to Pier 21 ahead of like literally everybody else because I just wanted a moment to myself. And like during that moment to myself before anybody, anyone had even shown up, uh, like I could visualize like where all the tables were, where all the, where the dance floor was um, for prom, the, which was like a couple of years ago up to this point. Uh, so like I could, like I could visually like just kind of see it all again. And it was uh, at moments very dysphoric to uh deal with but i knew that's what i was dealing with going in um so i got that all out of the way i got all of that out of my system and then to have that response was really just the like okay we got this it's fine we're good you're not gonna be dysphoric halfway through this match like you're gonna be fine um you know having to wear the big pride cape keeping the swim jet ja uh, swimmer's jacket close by to me uh, like all that stuff, uh, it mattered. It was uh, a huge like experience. This was the first time I wrestled outside of Kaizen too. So there was a lot going into that where I was like, I, I got to represent the school well. Cause like, I want people to know that Kaizen is the best place to train in all the Maritimes. Other places can open shop or whatever, but 
if you want the best bang for your buck, Kaizen is where you need to go. And it's interesting to hear like that that personal um, aspect of being back in that building and the history that you have with that and the confronting this this past version of yourself that wasn't fully you and, and especially like outwardly and, and, and that sort of thing and to really confront the the dysphoria that that can present like you already have a or, or you already are very uh, like emotional in in the ring like you you are you're out there just screaming your heart out <laughs> and then, but going now i'm i want to go back and watch that match again knowing that because like there are moments in that match where it feels like you were on the verge of tears in some in some ways and knowing that now like of course like you're in a building that is so so closely associated with this moment in your life that you know was that holds all these these negative feelings and i i really like the description of it as reclaiming this this space for you because obviously yeah. lgbtq people have made reclamation into a science at this point and it's it, that is one of the most powerful things that you can do for yourself personally oh, like absolutely like after that match like what was your feeling about about pure 21 and about your your just existing in that space uh it was definitely a lot better for sure i didn't have much time to think about that part though because unfortunately during the finish of that match i busted open my chin Oof. pretty wide and so there was another match that I was a part of that I don't even know if it's ever been shown, but there was a, a battle royal to close the show featuring pretty much all the wrestlers that had wrestled previously on the show. Uh, and so like I had to kind of switch gears and turn my attention to that battle royal, uh, which was like at first really nerve wracking. But then like after the fact, it was like, yeah, I can't believe I was worried about a battle royal of all things. <laughs> no but i mean i can understand that in the moment you know especially if you're you're having this intense emotional interaction with with, with this with the moment you busted your chin open so you're trying to get that taken care of plus you have this this other match i can totally understand how that that can feel like a whirlwind a little bit but no, like, when did you get the chance to kind of sit down and, and reflect? Was that like something that you had already done previously whenever you were there at the building by yourself? Or was there a moment That's, afterwards? That was, it was pretty much before the show. Because if I hadn't got it done before the show, then Lord knows how that would have affected the performance. And I refuse to let anything affect the performance. I have, a, you know, I, I am very critical of myself and I hold myself to a very high standard especially when it pertains to things that I love, swimming, wrestling, what have you. If it's not perfect, how can I make it better? Where did I go wrong so I can fix it and learn from that? Um, and so for me, it was, I got that out of the way first. Uh, and then everything else just kind of fell into place from there. Um, but yeah, for me, it was definitely like, uh, there was no before there was no after moment, I should say. For me, it was all like while I was there before anybody else showed up. Uh, and then I was obviously there to help uh, set up the ring before finally, like, you know, just getting down to the business mm -hmm. for the show. And I, it's 
interesting that you bring up like that that commitment to to excellence in a way because the, there's another match that I want to talk to you about that really gets that across as well. But before we get there, one more thing about the Glory Hold show because you know as the LGBTQ population in pro wrestling continues to expand, we're also seeing uh, communities from within the LGBTQ community, like every community, is starting to get a, more and more uh, representation and people to to put them to show that there are people from all walks within the spectrum of queerness in the world of pro wrestling and with you being gender fluid sunny kiss um is probably the most well-known gender fluid pro wrestler out there right now and sunny kiss uh was booked for for that glory hold show did you get a chance to interact with Sonny at all or what was was there any experience that you took away from from Sonny that day uh definitely um I didn't interact a whole lot with Sonny Kiss uh kind of in the lead up to the show uh but I had a couple of moments to be kind of professional and be like hey how are we doing I brought a bunch of uh rainbow hockey wrist tape for all of us because I was like if any wrestler wants to wear some rainbow wrist tape I got it and uh turns out nobody really needed it uh, but you know, like there was a couple of interactions there and they were all fantastic interactions, like sunny kiss getting to, to kind of rub elbows or even be in the same locker room. It was a, it was a good opportunity. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it was a uh, really fun to see sunny kiss there. It was really fun to interact with sunny kiss and to get to talk with sunny kiss. It was a very, uh, positive experience all around. Mm, that's awesome to hear. Um, Okay. Let's let's jump back to Kaizen. Let's talk about you and Kobe. Obviously, there's already this very strong bond there. Kobe being the one to kind of bring you into the show that you had a place to come and train and to have a commitment to you in that way. And then you two get to have this just off the wall, over the top, emotional main event at, at Kaizen. Um I have to say, like I told you before we started recording, I watched that match at like 1 a.m. the night before we were recording here because I can't sleep. My if you can't sleep, me. you might as well get something out of it. Exactly. And my God, did I get something out of it? Listen to me. You want to go watch this on IWTV. I think they that Kaizen put the match up on their YouTube channel as well. We just posted it like it was posted a couple days ago. Go watch it. Yes. Yes. You need to seek this match out because, one, this is your first main event. It um, was. And you were in there with your trainer. And the story is what really is captivating the the most about this match. Talk to me about like when did you when when was when did you know that this match was going to happen? Like what was your thought process going into this? How did this come together for you? So, uh for anybody who's kept an eye on the product uh in terms of like the last couple of months, you will know of a little faction called Ring Loyals that have been quite a pain in my ass to say the least. Um but Initially, the formation of Ring Loyals was going to form as a result of me running through uh, three Kaizen students who then just decide they're so annoyed with this small little wrestler running around beating us in wrestling matches. We're just going to, you know, we're just going to get them, get them back. Um, so initially, I thought I was heading into that third match of the kind of like triplet to form the thing or whatever. Uh, and coach tells me that it was a great promo. 
but you might want to remove the name of the wrestler out because you're not fighting that wrestler. And uh, he was like, you're going to fight somebody bigger. And I just went, what do you mean? I'm going to wrestle like eternally. I'm like, oh, what do you mean bigger? Are we talking like figuratively? Are we talking literally? Like I'm game for anything, but like, what do you mean bigger? Uh, Justin Moyer is one of the, the big powerhouse students of Kaizen Pro Wrestling. So how do you get much bigger than Justin Moyer? Is it, is it a namesake? Am I wrestling a, a bigger established name like a JP Sims or a, a Greaser or Kobe himself, uh, even Chip Chambers? Like who, who does he got? And then it wasn't until like probably two to three weeks before the show where like at this point I was boiling it down to coach, but I didn't know it was coach until two to three weeks before the show. And as soon as I heard it was coach, I just smiled <laughs> because like, uh, cause at that time I had wrestled Academy students, uh, in the, uh, in my debut scramble with the exception and even technically Mia Malik is a Kaizen student, but like a, a more established wrestler. Um, so like, but like Mia Malik was probably one of the bigger names I had wrestled up to that point through that scramble. Everyone else had been like a singles match with Ian Pratt, one of my fellow students, uh, a match with uh, Benoit Graval, another fellow student, uh, uh, now Daniel Wall, but at the time was uh, Peter McDay, you know, like those were my singles matches and then the scramble going into uh, that match with coach. So this was for me, put up or shut up. You want to see how good you are. You wrestle the best, uh, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Not necessarily has to be gendered, but at the time coach was definitely somebody I considered to be one of the best. So do I put up and I show how good I am and I can show that I can hang with coach or do I shut up because I don't meet the expectations that I should at this point and how do I get better? So that way the next encounter, I absolutely do. Uh, I hung with coach that night. So that was a little like check in the box, but it wasn't without its flaws. And there are things I can do better. And looking back at it, I'm like, ah, oh, man, what was I thinking? What an odd decision that was, but like you get better and you learn. And so uh, if ever there's a rematch with coach, I'll be more ready than I was that time. No, I mean, that's the whole process of this whole of this, this sort of thing, you know, that you learn from mistakes. You you look back and try to figure out like where things can be tweaked and what to what to glean from it. At the same time, though, celebrating the 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 positives of it, because I, I like I would I just from watching the match myself from an outside perspective, like it was just, there's gleaming positives throughout yeah. that entire match, like everything down from like the. Kobe's promo at the beginning, like like at the beginning of the segment. Um, I heard, I heard, I heard the outline for that promo, and I, I, I didn't even care. I was so happy. <laughs> I'm gonna fight the biggest, the baddest, the strongest. Give me Cannonball, Justine. Uh, <laughs> it was like the perfect like setup, delivery, punchline. Like it was like ah, oh, I that's that's adorable. Um, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, like that. Even like going back to like him explaining this process of like leaving the area in 2004 and like you like you said like going to train because of the like i don't know there's just something there's always something fascinating about real life inspiring presentation and that sort of thing and like coming back and having that element of of his experience interact with the character of kobe christ in that way and then yes like building up the the obvious he'll build up about the biggest baddest the strongest and then is justine and then you come out and you give him the fight 
that he never would have expected for, uh, in terms of the the heel face dynamic there um you hit like all of, of these great high flying moves you uh you pop that 619 finally after so many attempts just so so good obviously cannonballs i mean it's in the name for you but i want to talk to you about like that moment after the bell because you know pro wrestling i think one of the things that pulls a lot of people to it is this mixture of real life and fantasy and and to to see glimpses of reality come through in that and we got that a little bit in in the post match with when you were exiting and Kobe just it felt like the the act went down for a minute and calls you back into the ring and highlights you like you've been wrestling for just under a year they embrace you and the crowd like is there to cheer you and, and your performance in that match, obviously leading into the big angle and, and, and everything like that. But what was that moment, that post-match moment like for you to see your trainer, like drop, drop Kobe for a minute and, and just embrace you in that way. It was something magical <clears throat> in all truth. Uh, the, there's this one kid out in the crowd I'll never forget uh, who just says, and you can hear it if you watch it, where he just goes, get back in the ring if you want to die. And I'm just like, <laughs> this kid already knows the turn before it happens. But like, by God, like, kid doesn't know what's coming. The kid just watched Kobe be a mean person. So figures, oh, it's a trap. Don't fall for the trap. Um, but like for me in that moment, it's uh, – it's very humbling and very just like vulnerable, if you will. Um, I had a, you know, we're, we're talking all of these things out, obviously. Uh, so things are like, as they're being slotted into place, I always know that it's going to happen. I just never know how it's going to happen. And the how is probably far more important sometimes, especially in this circumstance where, you know, he's like, how long have you been wrestling, kid? just under a year tired hurt sore because i just had a banger with my coach my ring gear had scraped the shit out of my skin mm. which had never happened prior to so there's just this big red mark uh like i, I had a black eye the next day because of just you know little miscommunication at one point uh and like you know it's this moment of just being open and honest and vulnerable with the crowd being like yeah i've been here less than a year but I busted my ass to show that like I can do this. Uh, and so like, I knew the, I knew the, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know how, and I didn't know when. So like, it was just as, I don't know, like the heartbreaking uh, as it was for everybody else, as it was for me uh, when he took my hand, like from the extended or whatever, and then just, bleh, just decked me. Yeah. Uh, no, like, I don't know, like, there's just something about that veneer dropping, just seeing, like, you can see the pride that that he takes in you in that moment. And I think that is, like, obviously, like, for what that built to in the announcement of the ladder match with the promo afterwards with, with 
um, with Chip and and all that. Uh, that it it served it served everything that it needed to serve, you know. Yes. But at the same time, it did it it did provide this this moment where the real life of the pro wrestling world can come through. And I don't know, there was just something about the look and and the way that Kobe's even the way that Kobe's voice like broke just slightly when like talking to you and telling you to get back in the ring. It was just like a completely different person and it made that that moment like I don't know. This might be me saying this because I I might have been like tired while while watching it. I don't know if it was just in that <laughs> haze or whatever, but that moment just I don't know, it got me. And that's what I that's what I personally live for with pro wrestling. I love whenever it can like yes Moves are great. Psychology is great. But I want those moments that will stick with me and that will make me feel something. And that moment, you and Kobe made me feel something. Holy shit, did y'all make me feel something. Oh, man. Yeah, it was it was a truly magical night for me that night. Because that was, that was, and it still is, like, to this day. Like, and I've had a, I've now since had a chance to wrestle Reverso, considered one of the best Canadian professional wrestlers around in the area. Uh, and like that match with Kobe was the inkling. It was almost the, the beginning of like, hey, this this kid's going to, is going to pass you by if you're not careful. Like this kid can go, this kid can hang. This kid is going to fight tooth and nail to show that they belong no matter who the opponent is. And that's uh, that's why that match holds such an important place in my heart. Uh, only just being joined by the very recent Fatal Four Way I had with Reverso. Mm. No, I I I love the confidence. I love the where where you're heading. I love the trajectory for for Justine Ward going forward. This has been a blast to sit down and chat with you, Justine. Um, so as we as we wind down a little bit here, last question for you. I, um, I've been kind of incorporating this a new like last question into into the show, um, off of the suggestion of a a fellow queer journalist. So I will ask you, Justine, was there anything that I did not ask you today that you hoped I would have asked you? Uh, no, actually, I think yeah, you hit all the all the points. Uh. There's always room to like, even if there was something that you missed, we'll definitely, you know, we'll swing back around to it. We got time, you know, this, the podcast ain't going anywhere, hopefully, and hopefully neither will you. So no plans to <laughs> where there's a, where there's a will, there's a way, you know, I, 100%. I'm, I'm striving to kind of slowly start to expose myself a little bit more to show people, Hey, there's a local LGBTQ wrestler that's coming for your head. If you're not careful. Um, you know, with all the passion in the world to just want to learn. Um, we recently uh, revealed a new, uh, a new look and a new design for the Kaizen Pro Wrestling uh, Championship. Mm. It looks gorgeous. I want it so bad. Like if I didn't, if I didn't already have desires to want to hold the championship simply due to the fact that it's my, it's my home promotions championship. Well, uh, guess what? Now it looks effing gorgeous, and I want it now more than ever because of how it looks. Like it looks far more prestigious now than uh, it did uh, in its first form. 
Uh, and that's not to say that it was a bad design by any means. It wasn't a bad design. Uh, you know, it's just, there's a couple of things that clearly uh, weren't there. And now I feel like they are definitely a lot more present in its new look. Mm. Sometimes you just need a refresh. Exactly. Yeah. No, I love it. And I, I eagerly await whenever that belt is around your waist, Justine. I really do. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Um, and, and just, I don't know. I, one of the things I love about doing this show is learning about new regions and new promotions and new people that are, were not on my radar previously, no matter where I learned the learn about them from, I always want to continue to expand the purview because like this, you know, I, in my writing and stuff, like I talk a lot about the LGBTQ pro wrestling movement. It is a global movement. It is everywhere. And I love that now I can point to Nova Scotia and the Maritimes and say, it's there too, damn it. So this is awesome. So um, thank you so much. Let everybody know where they can find you online and what you uh, have coming up here in the near future. Follow me on Instagram at Cannonball Justine. You can also uh, follow me on my TikTok as well, Cannonball Justine. It's all the same. Twitter at Cannonball JW. Uh, Future events to look out for, uh, Canning, Nova Scotia, September 30th. I'm going to be there wrestling on their inaugural show, which will be a blast. Uh, I'm going to be going to a couple of other shows in the next little bit. Uh, a lot of promotions here are winding down in terms of shows, as far as I'm aware. So like Kaizen especially, we're getting down to our last like show or two before the new year kicks off and we start fresh with a brand new year. Uh, so expect to find me at any Kaizen show. And uh, yeah, there you go. It's all the fun things. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you again, Justine. My thanks once again to Justine for sitting down and chatting about their journey into pro wrestling, their experiences there. I still can't get over the fact that they swam like 15 kilometers in five hours that's just a wild thing to me i don't know if i'll wrap my head around it i mean i've covered long distance swimming stuff before i've written stories about it but it still just bewilders me that the human body can put themselves through that um i don't know anyway i'll sit with that myself y'all sit with whatever you want to but definitely check out uh justine's work with kaizen pro wrestling and anywhere else they may pop up in the merry times or beyond um like i said their stuff's available on IWTV as well as on YouTube. Go check it out, as well as uh, a number of other great out uh, talents up there in the Maritimes as well. That's going to do it for us here this week, but we will be back next week, as always, with uh, another great episode, another fun interview, and all of that good stuff. So until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands, wear your mask, and get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. The same goes for monkeypox. And a very happy birthday to the shade. Everybody's ready to die. Bye. Everybody's ready to die.